songs? They're songs. Songs that were sung by different people, people like you and me, as they experienced the whole range of emotions that we do. Despair, hope, sadness, joy, gladness. You know, God has an answer. God is interested in being in those conversations, every single one of them with us. And so in the Psalms, we get to open up somebody's life and see how they talked to God in the midst of their circumstances. Today, the psalm we're calling the Psalm of Hope. And so this is all about hopefulness. Hear the words of the Lord. Psalm 121, 1-8, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. For where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The word of the Lord. Well, I was looking through some old junk in my uh, house a couple days ago. I was looking for a document that I couldn't find, and I came across my baby book, which my mom painstakingly put together. And if you ever wonder, what did Carlos look like as a wee lad? Here he is. Okay? Do you see it? I don't. Not at all, actually. Who is this child? My mom just put him in. Rejoice! You know, it's interesting, right? I don't know if you ever go back to your childhood, but one of the great things about being a parent is you get to live life again through your kid's eyes. And you think about those hopes that you had as a kid, you know? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an astronaut, which is kind of difficult these days, by the way. Not a great time for astronauts in the United States of America. You know, I wanted to do that. I wanted to fly a plane. I wanted to be a baseball star. All these hopes. And, you know, as you grow up, your hopes get bigger and bigger, don't they? You know, I really want that person as my girlfriend. I really hope I can make the JV team. I really hope I can go to that particular college. Life is full of hope. In many ways, you can think that, you know, hope is what makes life worth living, isn't it? You can survive through a lot, a lot of things if you have hope. But any POW or anyone will tell you that without hope, things begin to fall apart. See, the opposite of hope is despair, when you've lost all hope. We all have hopes for a future, don't we? I found this document. It was a document I, I wrote when I was, I think, 23, 24 years old. I, I wrote out my life goals. Yeah, you ever go to one of these seminars, you know, where they got, you know, you all fired up and you're going to change the world? And so I got all fired up and I wrote life goals. There's about 120 of them here, okay? <laughs> Haven't looked at this in a while. Not a good sign. But let's see some of the things that I was hopeful that I was going to do when I was 24. I will pay off my house by the time I'm 35. How's that working out? Not so good. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? I got professional money management help. Still working on that one. Um, I have, uh, I took my wife to a, to a waltz in Austria. Where the heck did I come up with an Austrian waltz? Haven't done that. Uh, I skydived, no. Uh, I drove the Great Barrier Reef, still working on that. Uh, I did ski the Alps. Uh, I did run a marathon, and so on and so on. You know, it's funny, when I'm looking at all these things, I'm going, why? Why, was the, why did I want to do that back then? 
on the sheet that I'm still very hopeful that I'll be able to do. But there are things on the sheet, too, that I have done. I realize that sometimes one of the worst things you can have with hope is actually getting what you hope for. Because sometimes the thing that you're hoping for, you put so much hope into that it doesn't quite deliver what it is that we're looking for. See, I think there are little hopes, and I think all of those little hopes add up to what I call a big hope. The biggest hopes of our lives are simply this. I want to have meaning and purpose for my life. I want there to be a, a why for why I exist. I want to know someone and truly be known by them. I want to understand what it means to experience unfailing love. There are really, at the end of the day, only two main questions we have to ask and answer in our life. Who am I? And why am I? And the truth of the matter is, my friends, those are God questions. The hope that we have, if you boil it all down into one thing, is that we would know God and be accepted by Him. That's the deepest hope of our hearts. But you see, these are questions that only God can answer. And so we hear this psalmist who's in this song of ascent as he's walking through his life, sharing his hope, his hope to be able to know this one who made him, to know who he is. How does he get there? Indeed, how do we? The point of my sermon is simply this, that we have to put our life's hope in something. And if we put our life's hope in God, our life will never end in despair. But if we put our life's hope in something lesser than God, our life in the end will end in despair. This psalmist shows us three important things. Number one, he has decided that God is the hope of his destination. God is the hope of his destination. God is also his hope as his protection. And finally, God is his hope as his affection. He's decided to look to God as his destination, to look to God as his protection, and to look to God as his affection. Because he's put all of his life's hope in God. And so he believes his life will not end in despair. Well, let's take a look at this. Look at the first part, how he's made God the hope of his destination. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? If you'll notice, this psalm is called a psalm of ascents. There's actually... 14 Psalms, 120 to 134, which is in this little mini-book in the Psalms called A Psalm of Ascents. Now, they don't exactly know why it was called that, but they believe why it was called that was it dealt with the pilgrimage that people would take to go to Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem was, is on a high plain. Okay, it's a mountainous area there. And so when you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up. So whether the people who would come for a feast, these three feasts, with God or the people who were captured in Babylon, they would be coming up, they would be ascending. But it's more than just that. This is a metaphor for life. There's this ascension idea in life, isn't there? That we're going to something, we're ascending to something. And so I think this psalm and this picture of ascension is a journey to get to God. And so the psalmist, he says, I lift my eyes up to the hills, from where does my help come? See, he's saying, I'm lifting my eyes up because I haven't arrived yet. I'm not quite where I want to be. You ever done that where you're walking along and you're going up a mountain and you look up and you're like, gosh, I'm still not there. I lift my eyes up for where does my help come from? See, this psalmist is pretty smart, isn't he? Because he realized that he doesn't have it in him. He's calling, where does my help come from? So 
certainly doesn't come from inside, it comes from outside. This word help is a very interesting word. Remember the Old Testament, Adam and Eve. Adam, you know, he's this unbelievable guy, but God says he's still not complete. I need to, I need to make someone to be a help me for him so he will be completed. Because he cannot be who I have called him to be without Eve. And that's the same word. This psalmist is saying, where's the one who is to complete me? The one who is able to make me to complete this task, to ascend. Where does my help come from? And I realize that my help is up there. I lift up my eyes to the hills. The help is above me somewhere if I want to climb to make the top of the journey. This reminds me of a verse, Psalm 24, 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. See, the psalm is saying is, how am I going to ascend? How am I going to get to my destination? You, your glory, your acceptance, your presence. But in this other passage, we see that the one who ascends the hill of the Lord is one who has clean hands a pure heart, and does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not lie. And as the psalmist looks at the standard and he looks at himself, he realizes, I don't have what it takes. And so he calls out, I lift my eyes up, from where does my help come from? And then he answers his own question, doesn't he, in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. See, I'm trying to reach up to him, but what's amazing is he's trying to reach down to me. My help comes from the Lord. I have this picture of kind of a, when you're mountain climbing, you know, and you're trying to get your hand up and you can't get there, but someone is lowering something down to grab you. That's what the psalmist is saying. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He is the creator. The reason he can help me is because he made me. And he knows me, and he made the mountain, and he made the journey. And so publicly, this psalmist declares who his help is. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He is my help. And listen to the results that this singer receives. In verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. See, this Lord who he's trusted in has given him a foundation, a place upon which to stand. That's the challenge, isn't it, when you're climbing up a steep hill, isn't it? You can't quite get your feet locked in, can you? You keep falling down. You ever try climbing up a hill and you go up and then you slide down and you go up? And that's kind of like life sometimes, isn't it? But no, what he's saying is that God will not let your foot be moved. He will create steps in the rock. And indeed, he who keeps you will not slumber. He will protect you and watch over you. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's always vigilant, watching your footsteps to bring you to himself. The psalmist has said, God, I need you to be my destination. I want you. Can you help me? And God has said, yes, I will. I remember as a college student, myself and some buddies in college, we decided to go camping. And we went to school in Charlottesville, so the Appalachian Trail was right up the road. So we got about, you know, eight or nine uh, fun uh, college guys, and 
And we packed a bunch of gear and we went up and we were going to a place called Doyle's River Falls. I don't know if you've ever gone, it's really pretty. You go up to, uh, 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 there's a waterfall that goes down 30 feet in the Appalachian Trail, it's beautiful. So we got all our stuff, you know, we go ahead and we hike down and we get to where we need to do, it's getting dark. And so, wow, this is great, let's go ahead and eat and get set up because it's going dark. And so as we fan out, um, we see one of our buddies, Jeff, who has walked over and he's at the top of the waterfall standing in it to look over the side of the waterfall. And before we can say anything, he slips, he goes over the waterfall, 30 feet down, and does a giant gash right here across his head. Now this guy, Jeff, tremendous athlete, he played for UVA baseball, tremendous athlete. But before he knew it, he was in over his head. Because he went into a place where he didn't have a firm foundation, a place to stand. He wanted to enjoy the privilege of looking down, but at the end of the day, he was at the bottom looking up. See, that's kind of like life, isn't it? We're trying to ascend to some place. But if we don't have the proper footing, if we don't have the proper strength to carry us up, at the end of the day, we're going to fall. And so the question we have is, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? See, each one of us has to answer three questions. What's your destination? Where are you going? To where are you ascending? How will you know when you've met your mountaintop? You could fill it in simply this way. I will have ascended when I blank. Maybe it's, I will have ascended when I finally got married. When I finally have settled down, when I finally have found that person for me, then all of life will be well and I will be standing at the summit. Now, I love my wife, but I know that that is not enough to be a life hope for you. It's not enough to have ascended. You see, so often what we do is we, we uh, confuse the summit with the checkpoints. The checkpoint is here. If I can just get to here, then I will find what I'm looking for. But it won't. It's just a, it's a smaller hope. So you have to ultimately decide, what's my final destination? Because otherwise you just keep going around and around and around in life. And you'll either get to where you want to go and you'll be frustrated because it's not enough, or you won't get there and you'll be frustrated because you never get there. See, this psalmist has said, my destination is you, God. I don't know how to get there, but I know my destination is you. You are my hope. So have you decided your destination? Is it God or is it something else? Number two, have you decided that in this des destination you need help? Maybe it is God, maybe it's something else, but you know what? Dang, if I'm going to accept help from anyone else, I got this thing. And so you're like that guy that keeps climbing up the gravel, side of the gravel pit and sliding down because I don't need any help. If you don't need any help in your life's destination, you've got the wrong destination. Because the sum, our destination is God. And the only way to get to God is help from someone else. Because I've lived long enough to know that there is a God and I am not Him. Who will help? Who do you look to for help? I lift my eyes up. Where are your eyes to? Who is your Eve? Who is the one who will complete you so that you can make your journey? See, all of us have to, at the end of the day, make a declaration. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Or my help comes from my job that gives me a position. 
My help comes from my help. My help comes from whatever. If you want to get to the true destination, which is God, you must declare that it is your destination, and you must declare that He is your help. The hope that we have is that He is our destination. But we also need, this brings me to my second point, the hope that He will be our protection. Because we're not there yet, are we? You know, what is it that said a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step? And I don't know about you, we're all at different points in our races, aren't we? You know, you may think, hey, I'm going to live till X. You know, all of a sudden life is so tenuous, isn't it? It's step by step. That's why I love church, by the way. You can come and kind of get a pit stop and think about, what's this whole thing about? We need protection. And so, the psalmist sees this protection. In verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord is your keeper. What does a keeper do? Anybody ever play soccer? You ever, ever play goalkeeper? The keeper is a very important position. Indeed, all throughout history, you've heard of the doorkeeper. We think about the doorman back you know, in a hotel. The doorkeeper was the most important position because it was the position of safety. For a castle, for a temple, the doorkeeper kept who was out, out, and let who was in, in. The Hebrew word also for keeper is eyelid. Think about it, the eyelid that closes to protect the eye and open when it needs to see something. Say, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the Carlos keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. He is over you. He's not only in front of you or back of you, but He's over you. His shade. Psalm 91.1 puts it this way, who, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. When it says the Lord is your shade, what it means is the Lord is like a giant eagle whose, whose wings are over you, hovering over you, protecting you. The Lord is keeping you from others, and he's keeping the elements from you. He is your shade at your right hand. The right hand is a very important thing in, uh, in the biblical history. The advocate for a criminal always stood at the right hand. He was their advocate. The right hand is also the symbol of power. Exodus 15, 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And Psalm 16, 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, because the Lord is a shade at my right hand... That means that instead of my right hand, I have him and his right hand. That's why, as I talked about Vicky, God is basically saying, I will be your right hand man. I will come alongside you and where you are weak, I am strong. When you can't protect yourself, I will protect you. I will overshadow you and I will be your right hand God. The result of this protection is this in verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. There weren't things like air conditioning and cruise control cars back then. People then were very familiar with the elements and what they could do to you. The sun beating down upon you, striking you down, the elements. And of course at night, when uh, you know there was no police, when you were traveling, you were in danger from robbers and bandits if you were outside. The sun shall not strike you, nor the moon by night. 
See, what the Lord is saying is, if you make me your destination, I will be your protection. I will overshadow you. I will keep you. And I will strengthen you. I remember my wife, Leila, telling me a story about when she was a little girl, about seven years old. She had, uh, you know, there was some boy in class that picked on her. Uh, and uh, he was probably very happy I wasn't there because I would have killed him if he, I had known that. I'm married to him, by the way. It's very special. But some of you, by the way, are, are saying, where is your wife? Uh, she has gone down to uh, uh, vacation time with Mark, who is on spring break. This really has nothing to do with my sermon at all. I'm going to return to my sermon. Thank you. <laughs> Liel was seven, okay? And she had some boy who was picking on her. And so this boy used to just needle her, and Liel would come from crying. You know, how this, how this boy just bothered her. Well, one day, Leon's dad, whose name George, went to school. And George has one of those nice, big Virginia Tech graduation rings. Have you ever seen him? You know, UVA can kind of get these dainty, pretty things. You don't know. This thing's a big honker. And, and, and you know, he asked Leon, you know, which boy is it? Oh, like that. So very subtly, he just went over there and turned his ring around and just went... Boom! Right on the set. I know you're not messing with my daughter. The kid never bothered her again. Now, you can't do that anymore. I'm not advocating that you do that in the pulpit, okay? Because I'm not going to bail you out. But the point being that what Leellen could not do, he did. Because he was her protector. He overshadowed her. He loved her. He watched over her. See, that's the picture of the protection of the Lord. See, God is not only the hope of our journey, but He's also the protection for the journey. How many of us try to live on our own? I want to get there, God. I don't know exactly how, but I'm going to give it my best. And so frankly, a lot of our life is anxiety. A lot of our life is worry and powerlessness because we don't believe that anyone is overshadowing us. We're on our own. He wants us to live in His confidence. No, regardless of when things are good, when things are bad, when the sun is striking, when it's night, or when things are all coming along. What He wants us to do is enjoy the journey as much as getting to the destination. So how do you know, my friends, whether you're living in the power and protection of God? If I asked you the question, who's got my back, who would you answer would God be the first person? Would He even be in the equation? If I asked you the question, who covers me in the dark and during the day when there is no noise? Do I see God's arms, His feathers around me? Or is there nothing? Who strengthens me when I am weak? Who gives me strength for the journey? The results of trusting in God for your protection is that you can have confidence, even in the midst of the most difficult times. Psalm 27.3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Following Christ is meant to be a joy, even in the midst of hardship, because God wants us to enjoy the journey as much as the destination. So when you make God the hope of your destination, you make Him the hope of your protection, you will experience the hope of His love. This is my final point. Look at verse 121.7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Think about that statement. The Lord will keep 
your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. It's a very interesting passage here, going out and coming in. You know what it refers to? It refers to shepherding. The sheep would go out, the shepherd would let them out and be with them, and then he would bring them in. Listen to Numbers 27, 15, where Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before him, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. See, the reality is we want to get there, but we're not there yet. So God has come to us to bring us there. The good shepherd is Jesus Christ. The one who came out of the mountain and went down to the valley. Jesus said, the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. And I will lay down my life for the sheep. And I will bring them in so they can find safe pasture. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Not us. But he descended to find us on the path. Wherever you're at, at the bottom or close, you need a shepherd. He came and he found us. He gave us a firm foundation by slipping in our place on the cross. By being thrust down because of his sin, he has lifted us up. He watches over us day and night because he has risen from the grave. He is the God-man, God and man, reaching out to us, pulling us to himself. To say, God, I want you to be my destination. God, I need your protection. God goes even further than that. God says, absolutely. But even more than that, I will be your love. I want to watch over you and care for you because I love you. I died for you. I don't want you down here. I want you up here. And that is why I've come down to shepherd you day by day, minute by minute. Whenever you feel lost and you feel like you've lost the way and I have no idea how I'm going to get there, you certainly don't feel like I'm worthy, guess what? You won't find the way. And you're not. But Jesus knows the way because he is the way. And Jesus has the strength because he is the Son of God. We all have hopes. A life without hope is a life of despair. The three hopes I think that we need in finding Jesus Christ is number one, which is our destination. If God is the end of your journey, you are on the right path. Maybe He isn't right now. I urge you to consider, what is it that I'm shooting for? And is it going to be worth it when I get there? He is our protection, the one that watches over us. And finally, He is our affection. If you put the deepest hopes of your life in Jesus, you will never be ashamed. He will be with you now and forevermore. You're coming and you're going. This is the promise of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we do lift our eyes up. Where does our help come from? We are a needy people. We need help. We know, Lord, that we aren't who we are supposed to be yet. We know that this world isn't the finish line. Lord, we want to be the people that you have made us to be, and yet we can't. We failed. But Lord, as best as we know, we say that you are our destination.
You are who we want. And you are our help. Come to us, Lord, wherever we are at. Guide us through your Son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. Shepherd our lives moment by moment. Watch over us during the day and during the night. Keep our feet firm and continue to draw us on this path upward that we may enjoy the journey and look forward to the end. We pray all of this in Christ's name.